You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, episode 20. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, derekandsteve.com. Derek will not have buns of steel. I will steel. not have buns of steel this week, at least. Buns uh, of maybe pudding. next week. Buns of pudding. Jello. Jello. Jello buns. Derek and Steve present. And, and I know no one on this podcast wants to hear about the Tampa Bay Rays, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's my final drive. Do you believe that college athletes should be paid? Uh, I think that college athletes should be paid. I was not kidding. Childhood dream. Talk to Peter Warwick. It's amazing. They, he said he's going to be better than me. So I love you know, it. He's going to be better than me. <laughs> he got to have a gift of gas. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 20 of 20. You Heard Here Second with Derek and Steve. I'm Derek. This is Steve. Steve, how's it going? It's going great. Double digits twice. <laughs> wow. Double the double digits. Double double digits. Unbelievable. 20 episodes is too many episodes. It's, it is. It wow. Is. So we're canceling, right? We're, I don't know if we can continue. <laughs> 20 episodes is a lot of Mondays. It is a lot of Mondays. Is it impressive or bad? Probably a little of both, I think. Mm. It's impressive in the right context, bad in a different context. But um, I think it's good in a, in a third context. Yeah. So. Well, things are going well. Um, we have a good episode for you today. Um, obviously, we start hot with Game of Thrones. Um, I'll let you run through the quarters because I know you like to do that. Yeah, for sure. Out. So we have the, um, the overall... Uh, Episode today consists of pretty much the usual four quarters, so we'll start with Game of Thrones in quarter number one, which uh, might develop into uh, a, a normal pattern there. Game of Thrones season is upon us, just like The Bachelor. If we, if we gave time to The Bachelor every week, then we're going to probably give time to Speaking Game of Thrones every week. of, The Bachelorette starts Does it? in May. It starts this month. Okay. Sometime wow. this month. So we'll have to discuss um, that. I don't know if I can. Watch I don't think it. I, I don't can think either. I can do it. Ugh. We can, we can dabble in it as long as we promise not to fall into the same hole we fell in last time. So we can check it out. We can see what it's like. But I'm not falling. Not... I'm not falling in any holes. <laughs> I'll tell you that. No holes will be falling into. So Game of Thrones is in the first quarter. Uh, second quarter will be sports. Lots of sports. Lots of quicker sports topics to talk about. But plenty of some hilarious of things sports to topics. cover and some some funny stuff that's happened over the last week, uh, as well as some good playoff action in a couple of sports. Uh, third quarter we'll have trivia for you, and fourth quarter we will have an update in our Snapchat section, as well as the. Uh, question for the following week and a few other random topics. We have a movie review for you. We have some news about Steve's favorite fast food restaurant. Taco Bell news. Um, and a few other things. And then we'll close with the final drive. So uh, without further ado, we can start uh, with the first quarter, which, as we mentioned, is Game of Thrones. And as you probably should know by this point in listening to the podcast, spoilers will be coming here if we're talking lot, about a TV show. Big, big spoilers. Big spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode for whatever insane reason, if you haven't watched it yet, uh, you might want to skip ahead or, or, or stop listening for Fast now. Fast forward to like um, halfway through the podcast. Maybe yeah. not half. No, not, one, probably not like halfway. A quarter. Not halfway. Um, and then uh, resume listening after that. So uh, episode two of Game of Thrones season six. Uh, Steve, what were your overall thoughts to start with? Overall thoughts is they're definitely changing directions. Um, they're cleaning the house. They're killing a lot of characters whose plot lines they don't want, really <laughs> yeah. want to continue. Um, it, it really seems like they're just tying off loose ends so they can s- set off in a which new direction. Which is fine with me. Which is fine with me. It, it's kind of tedious in like Game of Thrones. Like we get it. There's going to be a lot of random deaths. Like people can die at any moment. But 
they're literally just killing off people who they don't want to have in the story anymore. Yeah, it's it, not. It's not about the plot line. It's not really about like. I, I mean, who knows how he's going to write it? I, I'm assuming they that George R. R. Martin and the producers have spoken about the the progression of the show and the book together, but they're literally just killing people yeah. because. And and so th- from this perspective, uh, it's good that we have one person on the show who read the books and one who hasn't. So from what I've heard, I haven't read the books. From what I've heard that we're at a point in the show where the the show is veering from the books, um, at least in some of the major plot lines. Well, the show is caught up and is passing the books. Pa- okay. The right. only storyline that's still kind of in the books part is Brands, who's just about to be past it, and Arya, who right. is still kind of in. Like there, there will be parts that happen that have been in the books, but everything right. else is is brand spanking new to everybody. But, but puberty is playing a big role for Brand storylines because oh, Brand is now like like a grown man, a grown man going through applying to colleges. So, um, so Game. so that looks he's a lot different <laughs> for sure. Game of puberty. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, I almost made a joke that we would have to bleep out. That's, that's okay. Can I make it? Uh. You might as well not at this point now. Cause, oh. uh, yeah, sure. If you want to, go for it. Game of b****. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Now nobody knows what you even said. But uh, but hey, <laughs> but but it's a good joke. It's, if if you want to know what Steve said, you can just ask us, um, and we can do it that way. So uh, anyway, uh, so a few storylines like you mentioned still tied to the books. But uh, so I, I, obviously the the question now, like like you had said, is that since it's gone past the books. The question is whether they're actually following what George R. R. Martin is writing. I will say this. Or if they're taking their you know producer approach to I it. I read the books, and the show and the books are, are similar, but also very different. Like there, there's They take pieces from um, the book and, and expand on it or, or don't expand on it, whatever. I can kind of tell, and I know it's only two episodes in, that it's being written as a show now, not right. the book. Because the book is very meticulous, you could tell things had a plan. Like you could, you knew the Red Wedding. Well, George R. R. Martin had a, knew the Red Wedding was going to happen while writing book one. Like you can tell things were specific, happening for a very specific reason. And now it kind of seems like, I mean, I think it's just all the random character killing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're just moving the story along so that they can get to what they want. Us yeah. to see. Yeah, and, and I think from a show perspective, I think that that's totally fine because I think that the show would struggle to continue to have all those storylines running in parallel There's and cohesively lot. going. You know, we, we learned from shows like Lost, for example, that when you have too many things that are untied and are, <laughs> and are, are going in all different directions, yeah. it can be a, a very ugly plane crash of, uh, sorry for the pun. Pun but, intended. But, but uh, an uh, ugly crash and burn situation for a show if they try to keep things going like that. So from a show perspective, I don't mind that they're killing off some of the uh, plot lines that maybe they're, they they're, don't see They're as burning much the edges in. so that they can straighten it out of it, which right. is fine. Right. All but... Right. But but the big one, obviously, the big plot line we haven't touched on is that Jon Snow is back. He's John freaking Snow. And, and so and so just to before we actually talk about the the plot part of Jon Snow being alive. <laughs> Can we talk about the scene of him being resurrected <laughs> well, first? Well that that's what I was about to say is that that's that was a glaring example to me of what you had just said for this being made as a show and not a book anymore. I mean that was that was the most T V show editing style that we've seen in Game of Thrones. Yeah, to with me. Like, like the flipping to his repeatedly face. Repeatedly showing his body over and over the, again. Yep. Game of Thrones has not done it that way for most of this series. You know, they'll 
they kill someone, like like Ned Stark's dead, we cut his head off. That's it. Like, end of, he's end of episode. Yeah, yeah. And, and to continuously be showing Jon Snow's body, you knew that he was going to come back to life essentially. Like that was the only way. That was the him. only way. That's the only thing they had left to trick you was to go to his face, slowly wait, wait. Wait, and then go yeah. cut away right. to like the dog. To the dog. And, and then, then the go back, wait, yeah. wait, go to Davos, Davos leaves, go him, wait, go back. Like, yeah. you're right. It was very, very it, produced. It, yeah, it, it, which, it, which is fine. It, it's not a criticism of the way it was produced. It's just that that's different than what we've seen in the first five seasons. Because in the first five seasons, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give two craps about what you thought about whether he was dead or not. They would proceed with the story <laughs> because yes. that's the way they've edited the show from the yep. start. So, so I did see that a little bit, but... Um, but overall, the 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 plan works. They ask they ask the red woman if she's ever done this before. And she, Melisandre's like, eh, no. I mean, I, I'm no, gonna. It's go- not I'm actually doing this live, <laughs> but I'm gonna Google reactions to it because yeah. I was looking at Twitter and one of them was like, "Just goes to show you, good haircut can do wonders." <laughs> like she literally just cuts his hair, washes hair, touches his chest, says a few words, over and over, casually, again. and then back from the dead, like. Multiple stab wounds. A lot of stab um, wounds. A lot of stab wounds. Very nonchalant raising from the dead. Yeah, for a couple. I mean, I guess it's not totally clear what the what the timeline is, but it's been a couple of days, I think, right? Yeah, like since, dead since he died. Too easy. You no, know, just completely back from the dead. This is not a. This is no type of of health maneuver. This is just a. He's back from the dead via magic, and, and so wouldn't she? And obviously, oh, I've never tried this before. But if it's that easy. She's well, got. Now, she should be saving and raising everybody from the dead. Right, and and, and I think all you have to do is give him a haircut. Yeah, that's all you have to and do. I, I think as we were watching it, it was either you or Rob. One of you guys had said something along the lines, of, like maybe it was a quote from earlier in the in the in the series, but um, basically that you know life has to be paid for or death must be paid for with life or vice versa or something. Essentially, that somebody would need to die to bring Jon Snow back was, was maybe an operating theory that that. Either Melisandre would die, or, or somebody would need to be sacrificed. Yeah, well, like the no sacrifice, no sacrifice, <laughs> nothing. Just, just burn some hair, just burn, and, and Jon Snow's back. So that's uh, that that's, I, I guess that's not what I expected as far as the way he was going to come back. I, I think we before the season one, uh, before the episode one of this season, we kind of all had asked each other, "Do you think Jon Snow's coming back?" And we all said, "Yes." We just don't really know how. Yep. Um, and to be honest, I was a little bit underwhelmed with how it happened, just because of. What you said there, there was no real sacrifice. There was no real something was crazy just a, needed to happen. Yeah, just burn it, it some wasn't of his like, hair. And... Like remember when um, that crazy woman uh, brought Khal Drogo back to life, and she killed the horse, and the demons were flying yeah. around, and Khal Drogo came back as like half zombie, half human, yep. and like her baby died. Like there's so much stuff going on, yeah. and Melisandre just like washes his hair and like, oh yeah, he's cool, <laughs> he's good to go. Exactly. So. Um, but nonetheless, Jon Snow is back, uh, so that's a good thing for everyone. I think everyone likes Jon Snow as a character. So, um, Also, how do we feel, so switching um, plot lines, yeah. um, how do we feel about baby murder? Baby murder, um, I generally I think, disapprove. I think that's one of the first baby murders. I can't think of any other baby murders. I can't either. In Game of Thrones. Not by dogs, anyway. Not by dogs. Um no dogs killing babies, that's a first. Yeah, so in general, um, probably disapprove of baby murder, I think. Uh, <laughs> and particularly when it's also the, the now single mother who is also thrown in there. Yep. Um, generally not what I like to see, um, obviously. But so kind of related to that, I guess, Ramsey, obviously 
the devil of a character now that has emerged over yeah. the, last, the last few episodes of last season and then the beginning of this season. You kind of see that What are your thoughts happening? on Ramsey? I don't know. You kind of see that happening too. I, I mean, he's a crazy person. They're really pushing like how dastardly he is. And I mean, we. I love Game of Thrones and this is why we love Game of Thrones, but I'm kind of getting sick of the look how bad this bad person is mm-hmm. and that's all you get. Like, there's just bad, bad people, and look how bad they are. Like, repeatedly show you how bad... Like, we get it. Like, we get it. He's a bad dude. Like, they really draw out that whole scene. They draw... I mean, that's the show. They have to do that, but... I I will say that I think... um, I want to see some some movement. I don't don't want to just, like, see more character development. Yeah, and and, I mean, at least Ramsey... At least Ramsey kills his father, so so that advances that plot a little bit. At least. Well, when I say that, at at least as the villain, he's doing more than just these horrendously torturous things that seemingly aren't really for any reason. I mean, yes, he did eliminate his brother maybe for potential heir reasons, you know, since he's not a legitimate child, but, um, but, you know, he kills his father, and... Overall, I agree, though. I think that, um, you know, it, it's obviously over the top with all of the 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 evil that, that bad Ramsey dudes shown, doing but, bad things. But also, I will say, I think that Ramsey is a little bit better of a villain from a viewer standpoint than Joffrey, for example, was. I agree. Because you know, Joff- Joffrey was just this, like, pure, like I'm supposed to be evil. I'm smirky, like, twerpy. Yeah. Like, you just, like, want to reach the just screen and punch him. power just to do it, and he doesn't really have... I mean, Ramsey appears to have some big evil goal, and you know, in in place with all these things that he's doing. So I, I'm, I, I, I'm not against Ramsey as a character. I think I hope he's, I hope he stays around a little while because I think he's a good villain. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's, it's horrendously evil things that he does, but, um, and, and they could kind of put a little bit of a tamper on that because it's just, as you mentioned, it's, it's nonstop. Just every single scene with Ramsey, it's like, what terrible, terrible thing is he going to do this time? Yeah. So, um, I mean, we, I, I wouldn't mind scaling that's the, that back. That's a the little. point. Like, you gotta, but we, I don't know. I, I hate saying we get it because it's there. It's the show. They need to move along how they do. But um, right. also, so the last, everything else was kind of filler except for the last um, important part, which was introducing Euron Greyjoy, who is Balon Greyjoy's brother. Right. Um, and he kills him. So <laughs> that happens in the books. And actually, uh, the. And I don't want to be the guy who says, like, oh, I read the book, so this part's better, this part's great. But the um, Iron Islands storyline in the book is one of my favorites. Really? Um, and they never touched on it in the show. They, they, like, There's a few other brothers that exist. They're, doing really, they're out doing really cool stuff, um, and you never hear about it in the show. Right. So I think this may be an introduction into that whole scene, right. and I'm about it. The Iron nice. Island people are cool. Balon Greyjoy stinks. Um, and now we get a king's moot, or a king's moot. Yeah, and, and so and, and maybe that's part of the reason for killing off some of these other characters and these other storylines is because they want to introduce that um, Iron Island storylines, which maybe is a key path forward to the ultimate resolution of the you'd, of the series. You'd think that all these story, all these things connect at some point. Yeah. But Daenerys is back at square one yeah, across the world. Yeah, and and she she wasn't really too too prominent in the last episode, although. Um, uh, Tyrion does have an encounter there with uh, Daenerys's dragons and yeah. uh, advances, you know, some fan theories I think out there that Tyrion is sort of in on the whole dragon thing. I don't, I don't know what the extent of that he's theory is. In but on the whole dragon he's thing, he's the dragon whisperer uh, <laughs> alongside Daenerys. But um, mm. you know, I, I thought that was a very good scene, and yeah. I think that w- we said it as we were watching it. 
we know what Game of Thrones is, and Tyrion could have gotten his, you know, his life ended there by a dragon just breathing fire straight at him. Correct. For all we know, and that wouldn't have surprised us one bit with the way the show is. Um, so that was a scene where you're on the edge of your seat a little bit, but uh, either way, I think that's again another setup into that storyline progressing a little bit further. But as far as Daenerys is concerned, she's like you said across the world, back at square one, not really in position to take over the world right now. Um, in fact, it looks like from the preview, she's going to be marched up as a ransom prize for somebody else. It looked like, I don't know if that's for, for Ramsey or whoever it's for. We'll see. Um, it looked like she is transported to another person of power and presented as basically uh, a hostage situation. So, all right. So knowing all this, what would you say is what, which episode was better and what are your, um, feelings towards the upcoming episodes and the rest of the show. I think episode two was better than episode one. Um, We talked about episode one. I think it was a good foundation, but it was spread way too thin. Mm -hmm. I thought they didn't go into enough depth in any of the storylines. Episode two kind of didn't, didn't focus on some of the storylines that it really didn't care to focus on during that episode. It really focused on a few, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was better. And also there was a lot of uh, interesting deaths as far as the plots are concerned. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, eliminated which kind of changes the the situation a little bit so um i liked it i think it was very very good episode but i'm still looking for more as far as advancing some of these plot lines like you said um so that's what i'm hoping for in episode three i hope that they continue to stick with two to three plot lines at the most per episode and go in depth into them you know if we have to wait on aria for a few episodes instead of just every episode showing me one fight with her you know being trained that's fine with me because it's it's too thinly spread when you're going to spend one scene on each of these storylines and then not go further yeah. in that episode. It's almost like they play it so they're like, all right, don't forget this exactly, is happening. Exactly. They're saying, don't forget about But we'll get to that this. later. Yeah. yeah, and I would prefer they don't do that because Game of Thrones is, you know, we sit here and we watch one hour every week and it's the hour flies by every week because it's valuable flies. time and there's so much to cover. So don't spend 10 minutes or five minutes on a scene with Arya if you're not actually going to advance her plot line in this episode. That's the way I feel about it. So yeah. I'm hoping they do that in the upcoming episodes. But either way, all good grades for me so far. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I won't go in too much. We've talked a lot about it. But episode two better than episode one. Um, I thought killing off all these people... It, it's, it's weird because any of the people that died last episode in any other show would be major character deaths. <laughs> yeah. In this show, I'm like... Okay, who cares? Those like, are minor. These, these are people who yeah. show up three times a season. Uh, like, who cares? Whatever. Right. Um, so I think they expected these deaths to be more. Like, even the guy in the first episode, um, the Dorn guy. Right. Dorn. Right. I think his name is Doran or something. Um, they're just deaths because, like, I think they're still trying to surprise us, and we're yeah totally not surprised. We're just like, all right, cool, move along. Um, but that being said, I think they're doing it because they're they're. Cutting off the fat. I think they're going to yeah. try to streamline this and, and get the story moving, which, which I'm great excited for about. Viewers. And do we, uh, last question, do you know how many seasons are in total? I think we to asked be? Murph last time. I think he said eight right. total or maybe nine. Right. So th- there's two or three more tops. Right. right. So, so we're not at the finish line yet, but it does. it is reaching that time where you'd like to see it start to streamline a little bit into the main storylines that are going to take this thing, which what would appear to be a long way to the finish. I mean, it, nothing, nothing is impending right now. It's not like you're looking at a likely wrap-up to this story anytime soon. So you, no, you would not like even to see, close. We're actually getting further from yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're spreading in more directions. So It's become, um, I don't, 
it you're right you made the connection it might be becoming lost it, it's and and hopefully they're taking steps to prevent that because, it's heading towards lost territory because <laughs> everyone loves it and loves all these characters and loves how expansive it has everything theories is. about how everything will end up and it's like if it's gonna end like Daenerys is gonna die season eight in like the desert of like like how Khal Drogo died like yeah. an infection and then it's gonna be over and everyone's gonna be like okay this that is was one it. of the worst shows I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> So we'll see. Hope, hopefully that doesn't end that way. But uh, either way, good start to the season, but uh, yep. staying skeptical and hopefully it continues to go in the right direction. So All right. that's it for Game of Thrones in quarter number one. So now we move into quarter number two, which is sports. So lots of funny sports topics going on. Uh, funny but all, and also standard, but we'll start with the funny. So the NFL draft was <laughs> uh, over the weekend. So we have, of course, a three-day affair because why else would you, why would you spend any less than three days on a draft for a sports league? Yep. Um, so Thursday night was the first round, and Friday night was the second round. So we'll start with the first round on Thursday. Uh, Laramie Tunsil from Ole Miss, offensive lineman, one of the best prospects in the draft, maybe at one point was considered to be the number three pick, maybe would have gone third. Uh, it came out later that he definitely would have gone to Baltimore, I think at six. I don't remember exactly where they were picking. Um, if not for his complete disaster of a draft disaster. day. Disaster. So for those of you who somehow missed it, um, minutes before the NFL draft was beginning. Uh, Which is the biggest day in these kids' in, lives. In these, yeah, in their entire lives. Um, Laramie Tunsil, who is this offensive lineman from Ole Miss, uh, apparently has, I, sh- I shouldn't say apparently, definitely had his Twitter account hacked uh, and posted a video of him uh, smoking weed through a gas mask, uh, bragging about how strong his lungs were, which is obviously a bad look before the NFL draft. So um, that and- comes out as the draft is starting. Like no time for teams to, to reevaluate, really. It's yeah. just like, okay, here's this video. You know, take this with a grain of salt if you're going to draft this kid. And so people immediately start passing on him, passing on him. He ends up going to the Miami Dolphins at 13. So that's a, and 13 is obviously still very high for, yes. it, for a college player, but that's a huge slide from where he could have been. Um, and then quickly, I'll just fill everybody in on the second half of the story. <laughs> yeah. In, in his, uh, in his post being drafted press conference when he's talking about. Well, there was another. There was Post. another right there, but this was happening basically as he was going up for his press conference, and this was on his Instagram, and it was a post uh, showing a text conversation between him and his coach at Ole Miss, uh, where he's asking his coach for money essentially because to help with his mother's rent and you know these other things that he needs money for bills and things like that, and the coach basically saying that he'll handle it sort of um, that that's a paraphrase obviously so. Uh, Tunsil is up there answering questions about the weed video that has leaked, and he doesn't even know that the Instagram has been leaked, except for a quick interaction with one of his PR members that, yep. that has told him about it. And so the reporters are asking him, you know, is this real? Did, you know, did this happen? And he says, no, no, if, you know, I made a mistake by however, somehow letting my things get hacked. Like I, I've learned a lot about social media, blah, blah, blah. And so at, basically at the very end, Tunsil's sort of off the hook here. He's yep. kind of played his way out of it. And the reporter just sort of as an assurance at the end, he says, so you're telling me this conversation with your coach in the text was made up, that it didn't happen. And Tunsil kind of has an epiphany and he's like, oh, oh, you mean you mean the text with my coach? Like, yeah, yeah, those are real. I, I, I shouldn't have let those get out. And he's like, oh, so you, so you accepted money from your coach? And he's like, yeah, I, I have to say I did. <laughs> <laughs> and this is after he had basically escaped. Uh, and, you know, his PR staff basically rushes him off. He says he has no further questions and just disastrous. Now Ole Miss has been thrown under the bus in yep. this too, and they're going to be facing some violations. So 
you know, complete catastrophe for Tunzel. What what do you make of the entire okay, situation? So, I hope no one hates me as much as that person or people hate Laramie Tunzel, yeah. because that is brutal. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Yeah, they they whoever did it cost him millions of dollars. And I mean, stuff like this happens all the time. Like, there's off field. Like, one of the biggest factors in drafting people is like off field issues. Um, I'm I'm actually surprised that it caused him to drop, like that the Ravens passed up on him because he like smoked weed. Like ninety five. I mean, I I get it. Like you sh- you're gonna get suspended if you continue to smoke weed in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, over half the NFL still smokes weed. Yeah, like, and I don't know. It's it's. I was surprised he dropped, but then <laughs> the pay for play thing comes out. And he kind of admits to it. He's just like a stumbling, bumbling, like train wreck. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. He's crashing through the draft with all his problems. Uh, And it was so, I mean, it was sad. Like, he's obviously a young kid. He he didn't really know what was going on. Didn't know exactly how to handle it. No one had trained him to say no comment, no comment. Yeah. Instead, he, I think he thinks maybe I'll take the high road and admit to something and nip this in the butt i i told well the thing is for him yeah I, I i agree completely that that's what he's thinking he's also he's young he hasn't had to face the media that often in his career these nfl guys as soon as they get to the nfl these rookies all get trained on how to deal with media and things like that he hasn't had any of that yet no he's been at ole miss he's an offensive lineman at ole miss i mean how i mean how much national spotlight does an offensive lineman get in college you know none um, as far as like facing media and things like that, like the way that Johnny Manziel or Tim Tebow or these high profile quarterbacks might, you know, offensive linemen aren't facing that. So I will agree with you in that and that, you know, take the high road a little bit. Maybe he decided he'd just admit that. The other thing is that he doesn't face any problems about that, really. I mean, he's out of college now. He's yeah. in, there's no NFL rules about taking money from your coach. Sure, Ole Miss's coach is now screwed and the program is screwed, but, um, you know, he doesn't exactly know all that, and that might not all go through his mind as he's answering those questions. Um, the bigger problem is that the head coach of Ole Miss is having a texting conversation about giving his player money. Very casually saying, <laughs> yeah. I'll take care of it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, everyone knows that, that NCAA coaches in, in Division One football, there's a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors that people don't know about and plead ignorance to. It's baffling that a coach didn't have this handled a different way. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna, and you know, that gets into a, we open an entire new floodgate about about college athletes getting yep. paid and everything like that. And for me, you won't get me to sit here and and uh, attack a coach who is, you know, if we're if we're to believe the way the conversation went, for giving three hundred dollars to a kid's mother who needed to pay rent. You know, yeah. You're never going to hear me attack that situation. But to have the coach be texting it to the kid, you know, directly in plain evidence. You know, there's there's a few better ways that you might be able to protect yourself against some violations, <laughs> as opposed to having a text conversation with the player. So, um, so you know, that's on Ole Miss's coach a little bit, I think. And so, uh, overall, I think that I, I agree with you to an extent as far as being a little surprised that so many teams passed on him. Why Baltimore passed on him? I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing, like I said, is is the timing. It happened right before the draft was started. Yeah, I mean, you don't it, know if that happened. At the time, you don't know if that video is from today, if it's yeah. from you know yesterday, or if it's from four years ago. And this is thinking too much into it, but an offensive lineman, like as much as you think that they're a, a rock that stays on a team for fifteen years, and you can draft them, and they're automatically good if they're in the top ten, like that actually doesn't happen. Like it's not offensive it's not linemen true. are, are uh, and to to an extent 
are are replaceable. Like you can you can plug and chug and, and drafting someone who's just slightly rated below Laramie Tunsil instead of him doesn't mean that you're not getting an unbelievable mm-hmm. offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So I can see why they drafted they passed on him, but I mean I don't know. It was just the weirdest, weirdest situation of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, I loved it. I mean I hate <laughs> I hate to see it happen to someone. Right. But it certainly makes draft day at least a little more interesting. Yeah. It's like you said, they stretch three days yeah, out of picking college students to play football. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't paying much attention to the first round of the draft, um, but that's you know that was the big headline that caught my attention. Obviously, was seeing that story. So why weren't you paying attention? Uh, Patriots didn't have a draft pick, and the Celtics were losing Game Six. Why didn't so. the Patriots have a draft pick? Because they uh, we'll we'll get into that at a different time. So. Um, so, a couple other quick hits. Um, the Tampa Bay Bucks draft Roberto Aguayo in the second round. Second round, second round, kicker. round kicker. I am 100% biased, but I like the pick. Um, I would probably hate it if I was on any other team and if I was another team watching the Bucks pick it, but um, he is the most dominant kicker to come out of college in the past 10 years, has never, ever missed a kick inside 40 yards, um, and has only missed like two or three outside 40 yards. So I, if you can get like a Sebastian Janikowski type kicker who will be an anchor, like the people forget the Bucks lost two games, potentially three, if how you depending on how you factor it, but definitely two from kicking last year. So you can win and lose games. It's much more important this this year and and potentially upcoming years that I think they're going to continue to change the rules and kicking. I don't think is going to get any easier. Um, I don't know. I like it. I mean, uh, the yeah. Bucks had a great draft overall. They used a pick that they they. Um, traded away to get a fourth round pick so that they could still pick the guy they wanted. So they had an extra pick laying around, so they jumped up to get him. I, I don't I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. I think that uh, kickers are very important in the modern day NFL, and, and you, you cited the reasons for that. The Bucks lost a few games because of it. Um, the Patriots way back when drafted Steven Gostowski pretty high. It wasn't a second round pick. I think it was fourth, which at the time was still pretty high for a kicker. And you know he's been he's been their rocket kicker for the last decade basically. So yeah. uh, I, I think that getting kickers is very important. You can obviously make an argument that a second round pick is too high, yep. but Roberto Aguayo is, has been the best kicker in co- that we've seen in probably a decade, maybe since Gostowski like, at the college second level. Second round, like Tom Brady went in the seventh round, six, sixth round, like second round picks bust all the time. Every every round picks bust all the time. If you can pick the best player at their position that has played in the past 10 years, I think that's always a good yeah. pick. Yeah. Like, and, if, if the number, like, if the best linebacker in the past 10 years showed up in in college football and it was, like, proven that they were the, the best in, in the last decade, that person would go number one overall. Right. They just would. So, I don't mind taking the best player at that position in the past 10 years yeah. in the second round. I agree. I agree. But you won't get many people to agree with that, mainly because everybody thinks that they know who had a good draft and a bad draft yeah. before, before these players had even stepped on the field, um, which is draft the, analysis. The we, we've talked about this in our house. Draft analysis is one of the dumbest things, the most manufactured, like pay attention to football things. Oh yeah, of all time, and I still pay attention to it because yeah, I mean, I think I some some draft analysis is fine. I think that looking at how well teams fit their needs is is perfectly reasonable. Um, but to look at who was a bad pick and who was a good pick, it's just so silly. It's yeah. so stupid. And and the example that we were talking about that uh, that Rob mentioned to us off the air the other day is like 
let's go back to the 1999 NFL draft and what would have happened or the 2000 NFL draft. What would have happened if Tom Brady got taken number one overall? You'd give him double F. Double 10 Fs for that pick because that's just the worst pick in the history of, of all picks because they could have gotten him later. Well, you know, as it turned out, it probably wouldn't have been a bad pick. I bet you other teams would have wished they'd done that. So um, it, it's just, yeah. Maybe like we, Russell we, Wilson. What, what round was Russell Wilson? I think he was Four? third round. I think third he was third fourth? round. Yeah, yeah. Like, Rob Gronkowski was late second round. You know, it's yeah. it's these guys. It's a it's a crapshoot. Who yeah. cares? Yeah, I, um, I mean, uh, yeah, it's so so that that's not to dis that's not to discredit the value of a second round pick. Obviously, there's a lot of good players on the board, but you know, just the uncertainty of you're not getting any anything that is close to being a lock at that position. So, if you're getting a lock at kicker, you know, I don't know who's to say that that's a bad pick if he's yeah. going to be your kicker for the next ten to fifteen years. All right, um, that's all I have on draft. That's all I have, too. All right. Let's cruise through these next ones because they're kind of just touch pieces. Yep. Um, NHL, NBA playoffs. Also, this is the first, uh, this is the only time during the year where all four sports have something going on, which which I do appreciate, and I, I love that. So right now we're talking NFL. We have um, base, like regular season baseballs or whatever, but also NHL and NBA playoffs. So right. the Spurs cruise through the sun, uh, through the thunder. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, the Spurs are a well-oiled machine. Uh, I'll tell you that. The, the Spurs are ridiculous. Um, when uh, this podcast comes out, they will have finished game two. They actually haven't even started it yet because it's a late game uh, as we're recording it. But uh, the Spurs, Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge, to me, it is, I mean, you just you sit there and you shake your head. I was reading an article today bringing you back four years ago, the Oklahoma City Thunder, beat the Spurs in six games. The Spurs won the first two games, and the Thunder came back and won the next four. And at that point in time, four years ago uh, from this year, it seemed like the Thunder were poised to basically take down the Spurs, and they were going to end the Spurs' run as this dynasty in the West. And it was the Thunder's conference to take, basically. It was theirs. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were on the up and up. James Harden was there. Uh, Serge Ibaka. That team was was poised to take that conference over. Then two years ago, which is you know half the time since then, the Thunder had a chance to do it again, and the Spurs ran through them and won the NBA title. And now this year, they might run through them even easier. And to me, it's just amazing that LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard are now the two big guns on the Spurs, and they just somehow seamlessly, without ever dropping the slightest hair out of being a title contender, have just transitioned into these two new, it's, much younger players that are that are two of the best players in the league. It's Popovich, man. He, he, he runs the best team basketball that we'll probably ever see and yeah. will ever be. Yeah. Uh, because if you look at the pe- like Kawhi Leonard's good, but I don't like he's not a s- superstar on any other team. Like he he has the offense around him to create. Like it, it's it's just the best purest basketball and it's it's great because you see teams like the Warriors obviously They'll win all the time. They play pretty good team basketball, but they're a three-point shooting team. The Clippers are all like flash and dunks and, and power, and like the the Spurs are literally just pure basketball. The way like plays are drawn up, like good passes, good cuts, good defense, and they always win. It's just like a testament to playing basketball the way it was meant to be played, which yeah, is kind of cool. And and I think that the Spurs system um, fosters that growth in those players. I think. Um, there's a lot of players that I think. So your example about Kawhi, I think that that was true two years ago about Kawhi. I yeah. Think, I well, mean, I think now Kawhi is a superstar in any team he plays on. But I think that that development came through the Spurs. I mean, if you just look at some of Kawhi's numbers, 
you know, how, how does a guy go from his first four years in the NBA? He was shooting about 37% from downtown. He shoots 44.3% from three point this year. It's a result of that system, getting him great looks. It's a result and, of open and, shots. Yeah. Open yeah. shots. And, and, you know, on, in addition, he's probably the best defender in the NBA as well. He's, he's two time reigning uh, defensive player of the year, I believe. So it, it's just, to me, it's amazing. You look at their numbers from game one, Kawhi was 10 for 13 in that game. And Aldridge was eighteen for twenty-three. That, that's, I mean, that's just absurd. Like absurd, seventy, eighty, ninety percent shooting. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's like um, me and you out there. It's like us, yeah. So, um, so either way, the Spurs rolling in Game One. We'll see if they can keep it going. Uh, obviously, the Celtics fan base and a lot of other fan bases around the NBA are very interested to see what happens with this. Because if the Spurs roll through Oklahoma City the way they did in Game and One, Kevin Durant goes. To the there's Celtics, a lot. There's blah, a lot of blah, talk blah, about blah. Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City at this point in his career because it, he might recognize that this that this the Spurs and the Warriors are far from being beatable in the Western Conference. It, so they it, should it, go to the Celtics. So well, well, the the Celtics are behind in that sweepstakes right now. It looks like San Antonio and Golden State are the leaders, which is is terrifying. But I don't um, like that about basketball. It's just like go- I don't, I don't, I don't buy into it. I don't think that Durant would go to either of those teams. But it, I mean, LeBron started. It's the go where you can win championships, yeah. create a super team, get a few championships, and then, then play, with, then play with your buddies yeah. or do whatever else you want to do. Yeah. And and I don't, I don't like it either. Um, we'll see if it happens. I, I don't want to, I don't want to punish the guy for something he hasn't done yet. We'll see what Durant decides to do. He's too nice. Um, All right, moving on. Way. Raptors win game seven. Uh, or no, sorry, Raptors win their first f- Game 7 in playoff series history, um, and I think they scored like the lowest amount of points in the fourth quarter for a Game 7 winner. Maybe. It was like the Pacers, 12, it was like 12 yeah. points The or Pacers something. stormed back. Um, not only their first Game 7 win, their first win in a seven-game series format in, in their playoff history. Mm-hmm. Um, their only playoff win, uh, series win was back like te- 15 years ago when it was best of five in the first round. Um, so big win for the Raptors. Do you give them any chance no. uh, in the East? Or do you give them a chance to win their next no, series against nobody, Miami? No, nobody. It's uh, stupid basketball matchups are stupid basketball matchups. Like <laughs> there's a there's, I love watching uh, the playoffs. They're very exciting, but there's three, maybe four teams that can win it all. The Raptors are not one of them. I That's agree. All I th- I That's agree. all I have to say about that. I agree. Um, Celtics go out to the Hawks in six games. Uh, we won't really talk about it, but the offseason starts for the Celtics. Uh, very exciting offseason, as we've mentioned. All the Durant. Uh, all the Durant hype aside, it's it's if a very Durant exciting offseason. If Durant goes to the Celtics, I will I will have to move from this house. <laughs> Why is that? Because oh my god, I would have to move from this city probably. Because Why is that? There's just so much talk about Durant and the Celtics. Like everybody's obsessed with Brad Stevens and the Celtics. They're great. Don't get me wrong. They're great, but I I just can't. They're just a, like a good basketball team that lost in the first round of the playoffs. That is true. Like they just. They're they're not going to win anything huge. Like if Kevin Durant comes, maybe you have a stud, but there's just so much talk about a just above average basketball team. I I think that it well they're the brightest future in the NBA without a doubt. Uh, um, but we'll okay. see. We don't have, we don't have to talk much about the Celtics. <laughs> okay. Um, so Warriors uh, still cruising without Steph Curry. Do you see any problem from the Trailblazers? Um, not with Draymond Green playing the way he's playing. Um, he's a five. He's a what is it called five, five tool player. Five tool player. I don't, I don't know if they that. have. Uh, he's a Swiss Army knife of yep. basketball players. Um, no, but he's doing it all. I mean, their team. They'll probably need Steph back if, in they the next few Steph games. I don't think this, this yeah. series will be too tough. Um, but I mean, if you're going to compete with any of these, like LeBron James's or, or the Spurs, and like you're going to have to have someone who can 
knock down 50 points if they yeah, need to. Yeah, I, I mean, Golden State can't get past San Antonio without Steph. There's no chance. No chance. Um, but, I mean, the Spurs are showing you against the Thunder what they are. We just talked about the Spurs. Um, you know, whether they could beat Cleveland, I mean, the Eastern Conference is inferior, is inferior to the West. So yes. um, whether the Warriors could beat Cleveland without Curry is kind of a moot point. I mean, Curry's not going to be out for that long, and they don't get to, they don't even get to the Cavs without curry anyway because they can't beat the spurs without him so um so either way i think they can beat the blazers but i do think that portland can give them a run without curry portland's a good team i like the teams that are left and and don't get me wrong like i love the celtics but the hawks are fun to watch like the celtics fun to watch the the teams that are playing right now are playing very exciting basketball it's just the nba parody that that makes it so that only a few teams can actually yeah exactly and and it would help a lot if those if those top heavy teams were split a little bit yeah um because you know if 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 the spurs even if just the spurs and warriors were in different conferences it would be a huge a huge difference because then you'd have cleveland in one series golden state in one series san antonio and you know oklahoma city for example has four majors that could be the final four but when you have that three and one split it's like the east is kind of boring because cleveland's clearly going to come out of the east you know 90% 90% chance at this yeah. point. Um, and then uh, in the West side, you know, you have, you have, you know, that matchup everyone's going to look at, which is San Antonio and, and Golden State, but everything up until then is kind of like, you know, just waiting to get there. So if you had, if you had a little bit more, you know, distribution, n- not even saying to lessen those teams, even if it was the same power teams just spread out differently, I think in, in the yeah. conference, I, mean, I think it would be a little I think bit eventually we'll see a, a switch up of, Oh, we certainly will of the divisions because it, it's becoming, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a few years ago, it was the East was way yeah. better, and yeah. the West was bad. So it, it goes back and forth. But yeah. I think it needs to be less East versus West and more. There's a few teams in each conference that that always rise mm-hmm. to the top. Yeah, and and we'll see how that happens. I think it will happen at some point. We're, we're going to get to a point where there's a little bit more parity in the NBA. I just don't know whether that has to come through a new CBA that maybe helps to limit some of the ability to to get these star players all together. I don't know what the answer is, you know, because because yeah. people like to see the star players together, but then it ruins the league. So it's it's kind of a pick your poison type of situation. But hopefully it can improve. And then the real question becomes whether there are enough elite players to actually sustain that, you know, because yeah. with one elite player on each team, no one's going to you know sustain their footing. You know, Indiana has an elite player on their team, Paul George, but they can't get out of the first round because they don't have a team around him. Yeah. So, you know, Carmelo Anthony's never goes far in the playoffs. He's an elite player. So at some point. It's clear that you need a couple of elite players. So, are there enough of those elite players? Or you to need sustain? an uber elite player, right? Oh, right, exactly. Which there's maybe two or three of in the NBA. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, ultimately, uh, playoffs are, are exciting. But we'll see what happens in the conference finals because it's going to be what most people expect it to be. So, all right, moving uh, on uh, from NBA playoffs to NHL playoffs. Lightning even the series. Derek, quick thoughts. Playoffs are great. NHL playoffs, I love them. Uh, Lightning, you know, get a big win in Game Two to even up that series with the Islanders. Um, obviously, it's going to be tough for them to win without Stamkos, and yep. it's going to be very tough for either the Lightning or the Islanders to beat the teams on the other side of that Eastern Conference in the in the Penguins and Capitals. But either way, you obviously, I said this last podcast, so I would continue to say it throughout the playoffs. It's still very good for the Lightning to make a run to convince Stamkos to stay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's a still a question in his mind or not. Maybe he wants to come back to Tampa, but. Having uncertainty, it's great to make a run and at least convince him that you still have the pieces in place here to be a contender. So here's the thing. This is, this is the and we won't spend too much time on this because it's just Tampa Bay Lightning. I only know this because I follow them. But do you, if this team is good enough to make deep playoff runs without Stamkos, um, because they can't keep Stamkos 
at his new whatever his new deal is mm-hmm. and the team behind him. Do you cut ties with Stamkos and keep the exact same team and pay everybody else and maybe try to pick up another someone here or there? Hmm. Or do you cut a few of the very important pieces to why they're here and obviously are still successful without Stamkos and add Stamkos? You know, I, I think that I would keep Stamkos um, and pay him the money. I, I think that even even a good playoff run like this from a team like this, um, I've just seen too many instances across the league where I don't I, I don't want to compare it to the NBA because the NHL is nowhere near as star-dependent as the NBA is. No. But but you see teams like Chicago who lock up these guys, you know, the the Penguins and the Capitals even, they have their superstars and they're perennial contenders that way. Um, it might make sense that the Lightning make a deep run and they don't really need Stamkos and they could spend the money elsewhere, but I think that it's too small of a sample size to make that decision based off of. Yeah, I, I think the Bruins made these mistakes already. The, Bru- the Bruins had a lot of medium players, you know, good players, average players, and they had a guy like Sagan that they had just signed to a pretty big deal, and they instead of cutting ties with some of their lesser guys, they traded Sagan for what they thought was a big package of good, like of you know, good roster players, but no superstar. And I think they regret that heavily now, and they have a team that has missed the playoffs for two straight years. I think that when you have a talent like that, you got to keep him. So yeah. I look at the Blackhawks. I was critical when the Blackhawks signed Kane and Taves at ten million each a year. It's like I thought that was their death sentence to be you know putting themselves in that type of a cap situation, but. It obviously doesn't hurt them when you have that star talent, that leadership at the top of the roster, especially at his age, still pretty young. I think you got to keep him and build yeah. around him. Um, all right, Penguins, Caps, living up to the hype. Uh, this was the matchup that, even if you're not a hockey fan, you kind of knew oh, yeah. from the like. Capitals having one of the best hockey seasons to ever happen, um, and the Penguins are obviously just a perennial powerhouse over the past few years. Yeah. Um, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, or what, how you say Evge- Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin. Evgeny Malkin. Um, so they're pretty star-studded. So this is the matchup, and it's living up to the hype. Um, I don't watch non-Tampa Bay sports too often, especially hockey, um, but this one's exciting. Yeah, I mean, the uh, game three is tonight, so it'll be over when the podcast airs, but uh, first two games are both very close. Um you know Pittsburgh and Washington. The, these are these are two of the best teams in the league. We've said it before. These might be the two best teams in the NHL this year, especially now that Chicago's out of the mix. They're always the, the dangerous team everyone's scared of out west. Um, you know we watched some of the Dallas Stars and St. Louis Blues game. The Stars are the top seed in the Western Conference, and while I think the Stars have a lot of good players and they're really good, I don't pick them against either of these two East teams. So I think that. Uh, there's a good chance that the cup winner comes from this series. Um, obviously, you can't you can't make any promises in hockey. The Penguins, I mean the uh, Lightning or the Islanders, are still going to give either of these teams a good series. Yeah. Um, but if you're picking it this early on a hockey stage, I think these two teams are definitely the most likely to That's, have the winner win the cup. The best thing about hockey is that like it's not like in the NBA in terms yeah, of parity. Oh, not like, at all. The Panthers should have rolled through the Islanders with right. their uh, uh, based with their on reg- based season. on their regular season, and they they couldn't. Right. Um, so, and even the Capitals, like the Capitals, had an unbelievable regular season, and I think any team that matches up, whether it's the Islanders or the Lightning, it's just we talk about it, Derek. Two words that wins Stanley Cup. What is yeah. it? Hot goaltending. Hot goaltending. So, uh, so there you go. That's uh, you know a lot can happen there, but hopefully the NHL playoffs um, continue to roll along and and see that parity continue to exist in that league. So, uh, last topic, real quick on sports before we move into the third quarter, Boston College. One thousand to one odds to win the national championship this year. Do what a what a deal! That that's a that's a deal right there. Pull our money together. Ten dollar bet. 
ten thousand dollar thousand dollars if they win the national dude let's do it you just need I, I said it we'll bet a few bucks they get some unhappy transfer from x y or z sec sec team yep. and our defense is good enough if we had one exceptional maybe two exceptional offensive players our defense could definitely win a national championship. That, that, at least I have last, no doubt about it. And that's not, that's not biased. Could. Yeah, that's not biased. And, and, I, I, we had a terrible, terrible team last year. Yeah. But our defense that was, was a national by championship far defense. the best in the NCAA. I mean, I mean, that, yeah, that was a national championship caliber defense. It was. And uh, and they didn't lose much. They lost uh, Simmons and Stephen Daniels. Uh, both get drafted, actually, in the NFL draft this past weekend. Um, so they did lose those two guys, but they kept a lot of their big impact players on defense, and you have to assume they had more in the pipeline coming through. So yeah, an elite player or two, thousand to thousand one, thousand to one odds. So what does a penny get you, Derek? Penny gets you a lot. <laughs> Let's see, ten bucks. Do the math. Yeah, it's pretty good. So uh, so we'll see. But uh, speaking of odds like that, actually, another big one that I just heard it on the radio and uh, something that one of one of our buddies is very excited about: Leicester City winning the Premier League. Oh yeah, five thousand to one odds coming into the season wow. for them to win. Five thousand to one, and according to Darren Ravel, who is like a business ESPN guy, I guess yeah. he's like he does the business side of ESPN sure. or something. Um, he claims that one uh, odds maker in Vegas has the same odds placed on Elvis Presley being found alive today. Huh. Five thousand to one. That's not true. The, I, I that's apparently somebody made that odds. I don't think that that's an accurate set of odds. There, there's definitely much lesser of a chance than five thousand to one that we find Elvis alive. Um, but it does speak to the propensity of that ad- accomplishment based on the beginning of the season for Leicester City yeah. winning that 5,000 to 1 odds. They got a huge tie um, yeah. last night and then a huge tie from another team to pull yeah. out the win. It is a little anticlimactic winning it on someone <laughs> yeah. else's tie. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think all the players were, were gathered together watching that game, and I think there was a big celebration when they when they yes. got the win via tie. So, so there you have it. Leicester City wins the Premier League. So that wraps up sports in the third quarter, and we will move into uh, – sorry, in the second quarter, we'll move into the third quarter now, which is trivia. trivia. So uh, we have a trivia for you, and we'll give you the first clue. As always, we'll go clue by clue uh, and pause it if you need some more time to think and try to guess it yourself. So And, and let us know when and or if you get it. I know a few people let me know every week. Yeah, we did have um, uh, we did have a, first, a first clue winner last week. So Did we? Yeah. Nice. So clue number one. Uh, this person was born on December 29th, 1976, age 39, in Statesboro, Georgia. So December 29th. Age 39, born in Statesboro, Georgia. Uh, clue number two. He began his career in film around 2003, started, uh, starting with roles in low-budget comedy movies. Um, he was first discovered by Will Ferrell um, when the famous comedian saw the low-budget comedy film The Foot Fist Way, which he co-wrote and starred in with friends. So discovered by Will Ferrell um, in 2003 with a low-budget or a low-budget <laughs> film with his buddies. And that, that gives us hope, because we make low-budget films. Very low-budget. Uh, clue number three. He played an uncredited role as a friend at a party in the 2007 movie Superbad. All right, number four. He has held prominent roles in popular comedy movies such as Pineapple Express, Tropic Thunder, and This is the End. Um, so those are all... Movies where a lot of people could be starred in them, yeah. but if you connect the dots, you so might be able to... So where is the intersection? 
So hopefully it is answered here. And clue number five, he wrote and starred in his own HBO series from 2009 to 2013, which included recurring roles played by fellow popular popular comedy actors Will Ferrell and Craig Robinson. Um, and that show famously is, is called Eastbound and Down. And the character he plays is Kenny Powers, who is famously uh, acted out by Danny McBride. So there's the answer. That's the answer. Pretty random. Danny McBride. Very random. Very funny dude. I actually we were, <laughs> looking, up, we were looking up facts, um, and I read the Rolling Stones article. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you when it was. Um, and he was he had some very funny quotes. <laughs> very funny guy. Um, so if if you're looking for something to do, the Danny McBride Rolling Stones article is very good. Alrighty, so we'll give that a read. So that quickly brings us into the fourth quarter, which we will breeze right through. Uh, so Snapchat segment uh a little bit of a bump in the road this week uh not really much good material for us and maybe no. that, maybe that's on us uh that maybe the question was too it was difficult a tough question uh tough question you i mean wh- what was the question the if question was you if, had a book written about you what would the title be and why um we only got a few answers most a lot of pictures yeah people, stop sending us photos <laughs> send videos we're going to play them um luke sent a photo that was like um, the world was killed, like the fart, oh. that ki- the, the fart that killed everyone. Fart that killed everyone, and then the fart that killed everyone too. Part two, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just in case so. everyone wasn't dead. <laughs> in the first part. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I understand that that might have been one that made sense to write it out. You know, it's it's a book title, so maybe you'd write it. Um, but we do need the videos, so we're gonna try to be better at directing you towards like videos. Stephen Nicholas and the Goblet of Natural Light. That's a <laughs> pretty good go. one. That's I good just one. thought of that. That's a good. That's a really good one. That's great. Oh well, that, it's that easy, guys. It's, it is. It yeah. is. But apparently, uh, not easy for everyone. So, um, so we'll skip the Snapchat this week, and we are hoping that we can get some answers for you for next week, which uh, is a topic that we didn't touch on in sports, and we're not really going to touch on it. We'll leave the we'll leave the debate on it for next week. Yeah. Um, with so all want, of your this answers, is, this is more we want your opinions now. Snapchat is videos of your opinions. So, um, what's happening is LeBron James. Is reportedly reportedly going to be in Space Jam Two, which I'm pumped about. <laughs> I, I think LeBron James, especially er, earlier in his career, is hilarious. Like he did all those, he, he did some hilarious commercials. He does the um, LeBron James versus Kobe puppets. He did the the Jameses or Keeping Up with the Jameses or whatever it was, where he played five different characters. Um, I think he's a funny, funny guy. Derek thinks otherwise. Correct. Um, so Derek thinks it's going to be a disaster. I think it'll be hilarious. Tell us what you think about LeBron James and in Space Jam 2. Um, like it, hate it, yeah, love it. And, and really pack in the 10-second Snapchat. Or you can go, you can send us two if you want as well. You know, Just send you know, us Whatever something. your thoughts are. Send, send us, us a video, video. Of, of, of a recording of LeBron James. Just send us whatever you want. <laughs> I, I guarantee we're going to get four or five videos that is the vine of the kid going, LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James. Which is totally fine. You, Which you is can, fine. You can include that as part of your Just answer. Just send us so. some videos. So there you go. Uh, Snapchat, Derek and Steve uh, is the name. Uh, most of you have been added by us already. So send us those, and that will be the question for this week. Or, or really not a question, but really a topic, and we're going to give all your feedback on the show. So uh, so that does Snapchat, and now Steve has a quick Taco Bell on update. On to Taco Bell news. Um, so my favorite segment of our podcast, Taco Bell news. Taco Bell reveals American consumers would rather pay one dollar versus more than one dollar. Wow! Um, so Taco Bell recently um, 
hired an outside party to conduct research on dollar menus. Um, and the big finding was <clears throat> 84% of people would rather spend $1 for an item versus more than $1 for the same item. So that's huge news in the fast food world. It is. Um, because dollar menus are going away, and Taco Bell says, not on our watch. We're bringing them back, and we're adding bacon to our breakfast menu. There you go. So that's what's happening in Taco Bell news. Um, I'm sure there'll be some crazy, crazy uh, you know, developments in the next week in Taco Bell news in the uh, TV world. Um, but I'll keep you all posted and make sure that everybody knows what's going on at, at TV. All right. We got to stay, stay up to date with that stuff. So uh, I am also in agreement with the population that was surveyed there. I do prefer to pay $1 uh, versus more than $1 for the same item. So, so that is revolutionary. <laughs> All right. Last thing on the docket for today is our movie review. Inside Out is the movie that we watched over the last weekend, and it is maybe one of Pixar's best. What did you think? I'm not going to go as far as saying one of Pixar's best, but an unbelievable movie. Um, so clever. It, it, you know what it reminded me of? As I, I woke up this morning, I was like, that's what the, this show reminds me of. That's what this movie reminds me of. Osmosis Jones. Remember <laughs> Osmosis Jones? Yeah, yeah. There was like things in there that they, they connected to um, bodily functions that you would never connect to. So right. this one focused mainly on the brain and emotions. Um, but there were some, there were parts, probably four or five parts where I laughed out loud. Yeah, same. And then also cried, man. Well, Almost cried. You cried. In moments that cry. you could cry in. Um, my verdict, I gave it 93% Steve Nicholas Avocados certified guac. There you go. And my rating is very similar. I gave it 91 Derek Dragon Fruits certified Pattaya Colada. It is, the, I, I agree completely. It was extremely clever. It was, it was a heartfelt movie. It was kind of, it was good for it, all it, ages. It, it hooks you right away. Great for all ages. Funny for all ages. I mean, I mean, it's not like kid humor either. It's like there's. I was you know, dying laughing. It, it's not. I wouldn't. It's not adult humor, but it's. It's at least there's a complexity to the to the jokes that are yeah. that are appreciated by adults as well. So, um, I thought it was great, phenomenal movie. Maybe not Pixar's best. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but it's definitely up there. It's one of the better movies I think that Pixar's made. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think it was. I'll great. just say that my verdict. Uh, my final verdict on Inside Out is. Bing Bong is a legend. Bing Bong is a legend. Bing Bong, who's the friend who likes to play? Bing Bong. Bing Bong, Bing Bong. Bing Bong, Bing Bong is the MVP. <laughs> so, uh, so that is it for the fourth quarter, and it brings us to the final drive. We'll end quick, and you want to go first or you want to go second? I'll go first because I'm, I'm fired up about mine. All right. I want to get, get in on the phone commercial fight. All the phone carriers are fighting. They're all yeah, going they back are. and forth, and, and it started with the... Um, the commercial where the little balls rolled out and they all were like, oh, it's Verizon, look at all the, the marbles that Verizon has in their three segments. And then uh, Sprint came back with their own and then uh, T-Mobile came back with their own of the same commercial. And now every single phone commercial is basically bashing on the others. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate, these are the worst commercials I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I would love to be a phone carrier right now in that boardroom saying like, how do we bash Sprint? Yeah. We need to bash them. What's our next move? Like you're going in saying we need to make a bash campaign. It's it's almost like politics. Yeah. Like they're they're running smear campaigns against phone commercials. Um, I hope this trend doesn't stick around. It's not fun to watch. It isn't. Very bad commercials. Um, 
the worst commercial on TV right now is the uh, I'm breaking up with you Sprint commercial. It's embarrassingly bad. <laughs> I, I cringe when I see it. Um, but that being said, I hate it. That's all. There you go. Hate I hate it. it so much, and I want it to be over. <laughs> but um, I want to. I want to join the fight because that would be a fun board meeting to be in. Is is how do we mess with? Fun. How do we make a, a we, smash? We need to make a commercial for a rivaling podcast and, yeah. and just bash them so, all the time. <laughs> so that's there, it. there that's it. That's it. And then uh, my final drive will be a look back a few weeks into the season on something that I was. Uh, dismissing before the season started as being not a factor, and that was the overreaction to two things, which was one, Pablo Sandoval's weight, so and two, fat. Hanley Ramirez's uh, fielding ability and his lack of a first baseman's mitt when he showed up to camp and all that stuff. So uh, I will say half of that has been not a concern at all. Hanley Ramirez has been a very pleasant surprise defensively at first base. He's not hitting for power right now, but he's hitting the ball pretty well. Steve has him on his fantasy team. Love him. He's pretty productive, and he has made zero errors at first base, and he's, he's played well defensively. Um, so that's one thing I'll say that I correctly predicted, that this guy was an infielder his entire career. I did not see where the the big hysteria was over him moving from left field to first base. He was horrible in left field because he was not an outfielder. He's an infielder. Um, so playing first base, nobody should have expected that would have been some grand challenge for Hanley Ramirez, who was a shortstop his whole career. Um, so there's that. Then there's Pablo Sandoval, which <laughs> is a different story. Um, but news that came out today might actually be a little bit in Pablo's favor in a weird way. Um, so he is getting shoulder surgery. Uh, you know, this whole thing where he went to the DL, it was widely assumed that he went to the DL because he was fat, because he was out <laughs> of shape, and that they were making up a reason. Um, then it came out he was going to Dr. James, James Andrews, which you don't do unless you're really hurt. And then it comes out he's having shoulder surgery. So at least a little bit of the, the heat on Pablo's weight is probably taken off just a tad in that he actually is having a pretty significant shoulder problem. It doesn't mean that he's in shape. He's not in shape. Um, but it isn't necessarily the reason that he couldn't hit the ball and couldn't do anything and couldn't you know, roll over on his side at third base because um, he does seem to have a pretty serious shoulder injury. So we'll see what happens there. He's not going to be on the field anytime soon. Uh, Travis Shaw is having a good year in his place. So there, there it is. Just a quick check-in on some items that were preseason hot topics. Quick question. Do you think that getting surgery could be a decoy? Um, because he knows people think he's just on the deal because he's fat, so he's like, I, I would should have, pretend like I'm really hurt. I would have no choice but to respect that move if and they get went all shoulder the way surgery. shoulder surgery. <laughs> I mean, there were people that still thought that it was a decoy when he went to see James Andrews, and it was like, okay, you don't take waste the time of one of the most highly regarded doctors in, in, the, in the country athletically to continue this ploy of, of pretending that you're hurt. You don't go to... Rather than lose weight. You don't go to him. <laughs> Rather than get on a treadmill, you don't go to James Andrews uh, to have him look at your shoulder and then not be able to complete the exam because your shoulder hurts too much. I still love the placed on deal because he's fat storyline so much that, that I'm can, not, not going to let it go. It. Yeah. Until, until he's under the knife for surgery, we will ride with the he's too fat. What so. if it's liposuction <laughs> on his shoulder? You don't know that. They did not specify, so... Could be, could be that for sure. Shoulder so. liposuction. <laughs> so that's all we have for episode 20 in the books. Uh, finally over the 20 barrier. We did it. And we will finally. come back next week. Business as usual for episode 21. I can't wait. See you guys there. See you later. Bye. <laughs>